Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Binance Podcast. My name is Wei Zhou. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Binance. So, what I want to do with this show is to spend time talking to specialists, entrepreneurs, scholars, influencers, basically leading people from a variety of industries. Hopefully, through these conversations, we can share insights on how blockchain is changing not just these different industries, but also in changing the world. Here's a quick disclaimer: all opinions expressed by our host and our guests on this podcast are merely their own opinions. They do not imply any endorsements or opinions of their companies. You should not take these opinions as specific investment advice, as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Hello, everybody. This is、uh, we again, back from a bit of a hiatus to record another session of the Binance Podcast. Today, I am really, 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 and I mean really, really excited to have、uh, Atsu Davo, who is the founder of Bitseeka, to join us here on the podcast. For those of you who do not know, Bitseeka is a company that、uh, Binance Labs, our investment division, actually incubated in Africa、uh, about six months ago. Atsu is the founder of Bitseeka. The quick、uh, one-liner I got Bitseeka is that they are the cash app、uh, for Africa.、Uh, he's no stranger to sort of the entrepreneurial space, as he's been quite active in entrepreneurial scene. And、uh, he also hosted、uh, Jack Dorsey on his trip to Ghana a few months ago. So Atsu, I guess we're family. So welcome to、uh, welcome to the, welcome to the podcast here with us. Yeah, it's、uh, very very exciting to be here.、Um, I, I've been looking forward to this for some time.、So、I'm happy to finally be invited onto the cast. Sure, I think some of our listeners know a little bit about Bitsika, but they don't know who you are. Maybe if they follow Twitter, they've seen your picture floating around. But can you give us a little bit of background about yourself personally? Because I know you're currently residing in Ghana, right? Yes, I'm currently speaking from Nigeria, but you're right. Like I'm a Ghanaian, and I spend most of my time in Ghana. A little bit about myself. So my name is,、uh, like Wei said, my name is Achu Davo、uh, from Ghana. Ghana is a small coastal country in West Africa. I know people have like their own image of what Africa is like. You know, BBC or CNN, they see all the all the wars, all the famine, and all that. But Ghana, I can say, is one of the good countries, one of the peaceful countries. Um, we are known for football. We are known for our gold industry. I had、uh, most of my education、uh, in Ghana. All my pre-college education actually was in Ghana. I was very lucky to attend the oldest secondary school in Ghana.、Uh, that was the high school I went to, Infantium School.、Uh, school was was initially used to、uh, train the the children of you know like white slave owners and white、uh, missionary people. But over the years, it's, it's evolved to become a school where if you are just good enough, you can go. So it has, it has that legacy of being, you know, like the oldest school in Ghana. So,、um, but Ghana used to be what, a British colony, or because I know West Africa, there's a lot of French colonies there. Yes. So in Ghana, we speak English. Was a British colony until、uh, we had our independence in 1957. So after high school, I, you know, I think I've been lucky a few times in my life. Also, got a chance to go to college in America. At oh, wow! Yeah, a small liberal arts college called Carlton College. It's in Minnesota. But in college, I mean, just after getting on campus, after just spending a few weeks or months in school, I started very much deviating from the actual coursework. 
that I was doing in school and started just doing my own projects in coding. So for example, I came to school trying to focus on sort of like media studies because in high school, I used to write a lot, both in high school and pre-high school. And like, I wanted to probably pursue a career in that. But when I came to Carlton College, I just had so many friends who were into programming, into coding. And I was just very curious and excited about all the cool things they were doing and all the cool things they were building. And you know, I guess when you have like, like a group of friends, they can influence you either bad or good. And in this case, I guess the influence was rather on the good side. Um, so a lot of my friends were coding, you know, and then they were getting internships at Facebook and Google. It was just so exciting that they could learn something. And then with, within a short possible time, they could have so much progress in their life. It was really cool to me really exciting to me. So I, in school, I, I could see a clear progression of me beginning to, you know, learn how to code and doing things in the direction of building my own personal projects. Then I just became so, became so much more interested in personal stuff that I decided to just come back to Ghana to focus on that because the tech scene in West Africa was starting at the time, became very exciting, a lot of opportunities, people getting funded, people building cool stuff. So I was like, oh man, this could be my opportunity. This could be my moment. So I sat on a plane, quit school and just flew back to Ghana. So when I came back to Ghana, spent a few months just building like so many apps. I was very much into open source back in the day, like a few years ago, just building like things, just putting on GitHub for people to use. We didn't get a lot of users, but just building things for the heck of it. But that was around the same time that I think Bitcoin was making a lot of noise, was coming into the social consciousness when people started becoming aware of it. So, you know, I heard about this new kind of money that it's like, wow, it's called Bitcoin and it doesn't run on a bank. Like a bank doesn't run, it's run on computers. And it's not run on one big computer, it's run on like millions of computers around the world and no one can take it down. No one can control how much you send. No one can tell you when you can send it. It doesn't discriminate against anyone. It was just so amazing to me and i've never seen anything like that it was one of those zero to one moments for me i just never ever seen anything like that so i became as you know as, as a coder i became very very curious so i must say my foray into bitcoin and blockchain and crypto in general came from not a utility standpoint per se but very much from a programming standpoint just imagine the kind of like knowledge gap that i had to fill so as a programmer i was like okay the best way i learned is by building stuff by tearing stuff down and then building it back up so what if i spent like a month building something on this bitcoin thing that could be like a good way to really understand it get some insights because that's what i was looking for so i was like yeah let's build something then i also wanted to build something really cool because at the time as i said i was just doing a lot of projects that to just put on github for free that a lot of people were not using this was a chance for me to just build something an additional something but something that was very cool nonetheless and it was also very important for me to build something that would make sense. So I ended up building a way for people to acquire and transfer and store Bitcoin on their phone numbers without the internet, without the need for a smartphone on any basic phone, just using text messages. So you could just dial a short code. In Africa, we have a service called USSD, which is basically like a, a data interface you can access 
on any phone, no matter how basic the phone is. So you just dial like star one, two, three, four hash on your phone and then you see like a menu. So I built one of those things where anyone in Ghana, no matter how poor their neighborhood was, all they needed was the most basic phone ever, like a phone service, like a phone connection. They could acquire Bitcoin on their phone. All they needed were those same things and they could transfer Bitcoins to any other phone number in Ghana. So another exciting thing was that within the system, people were able to transfer Bitcoin between phone numbers instead of actual Bitcoin addresses. So you can just think about how user-friendly this would be to Africans who had heard about Bitcoin, but found the learning curve too steep to follow. It's like, oh, we heard about Bitcoin and we are hearing about private keys and public keys and there's just too much information for us. But imagine someone giving them a system where, okay, you don't have to worry about all that. Just dial the short code. You can buy Bitcoin. You can store Bitcoin on your phone number. You can transfer Bitcoin to the phone number of any other person in this country. So that was a really exciting prospect. So we, I built that over the course of a month. And then within 30 hours, we had about 200 people join the system. Because you have to remember at the time, it wasn't even like a business or a startup. It was just more of those like, oh, I just built this project. Like, hey, you guys should try it. It was one of those things where you just release it for people to try. Like I was saying, so people started using it. We got about 300 people, uh, sorry, 200 people in the first 30 hours of launching the product. It was just general excitement and general curiosity. It wasn't even like a business or startup at the time. It was more just like, oh my God, this thing is really cool. And this Bitcoin thing, I can finally access it. That was like the expression for a, a lot of people. But it also led down a rabbit hole because it was like, it was a foray into other things people didn't anticipate. And even I didn't anticipate because it was like, oh, like, is this the best way to store Bitcoin? A lot of people were asking me that. And I was like, no, this is not the best way to store Bitcoin. If you had a lot of Bitcoin, you'd probably buy a Trezor. Oh, what's a Trezor? Oh, a Trezor is a hardware device. Oh, what if I can't afford that? Oh, you could get a mobile app and then store it there instead. Like, so people just started like being curious, asking multiple questions that they didn't understand. And it was also a great learning experience for me myself as well. Cause like I said, um, I built this project for as a way of understanding Bitcoin better. And I was able to, I was able to like deal with a test net deal with the main net, deal with private keys for the first time, deal with private keys that controlled hundreds of addresses at the same time, deal with internal addresses that you didn't have to wait for confirmation on. There were just so many things that, that was like one of the greatest learning experiences for me. I learned building this. One thing I, I noticed was like one, one weird thing that started happening was people started applying the use of the app or the software in a way that one interesting way that we didn't think about. So there were instances, just very few, but still very interesting. So like three people, like three or four people had used the service in a remittance way. Someone had a brother in Nigeria and his brother had heard about Bitcoin and how he could change Bitcoin to Nigerian money, which is the Naira. You know, keep in mind, we were in Ghana at the time, which is, you know, another country. So it was like, uh, my brother said, if I send him this Bitcoin thing, that's also like me sending him money. And I was like, yeah, I think that makes sense. So she, she sent it to the brother and he was able to change it to Nigerian money. And that was her way of like sending her brother money. So that was kind of interesting to me. 
because it was like, wow, I never even thought of this thing like that. Like I, and I said, I didn't come to Bitcoin from a use case point of view. I came from a programming point of view. So these things were just very eye opening for me. And when I saw two or three or four people use it this way, that and then it dawned on me that, oh, wow, this thing is far bigger than I'm th I think it is. I didn't even think about it like that at first, but this whole thing could actually be a business or a startup. So at the same time, I was building this uh, project and developing it and people were using it. Also was engaging in a program. There's this program in Silicon Valley called Pioneer, which is basically a way, uh, it was started by Daniel Gross, who is a partner at Y Combinator. It's his way of trying to find people around the world who are doing, in his own words, amazing things, but don't have access to a good network. Uh, like a Silicon Valley network. So just, he called them lost Einsteins more or less. So you basically apply with any project you're working on wherever you are in the world. And it's like a tournament process, voting process. And at the end of the day, they pick a few projects and then they fund you. So I participated in that program with this project and very, very lucky enough, I was selected as one of the few pioneers as they call us. So when the pioneers were announced, Yele Bademosi, who is a director at Binance Labs. He saw my name on the list. Like, oh, there's this kid in Ghana building blockchain, Bitcoin, you know, projects, blah, blah, blah. Wow, sending Bitcoin between four numbers. I, I think he was kind of intrigued by what I was building at the time. And he sort of like encouraged me to consider Binance Labs as a possible next step in the career development or a possible next step in the journey of the project or the startup. So I did. And then after like a grueling process of like five, six, seven interviews and countless sleepless nights where uh, we were accepted as one of the four companies into the Binance Labs program earlier this year, in 20, like in the spring of this year, 2019 in, yeah, as part of the Binance Labs program, one of the very few. So that was my little history of myself. I think for a lot of the people who actually don't know um, that much about the mobile payment system in Africa, can you talk a little bit about the USDD-based uh, mobile payment technology a little bit? Because I think one of the key things that BitSeco was extremely innovative on was actually it enabled sort of like Bitcoin transfer on USSD sort of based phones. Yes. So I think a good way to understand how what we built was possible is to just think about is to just think about two components. Yes, USSD and then mobile money. So USSD is a data system on mobile phones in Africa. When I say data system, you can just type a short code on your phone. So press a short code, like dial a short code. The short codes come come they are numbers, right? It can come in any form. It can come like one, two, three, four, or five, 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 five or star one, two, three, four, five hash or something like that. So you press a short code and then you get a data response. Data response can be in the form of anything, depending on the service you're trying to get. So it could be like football scores, like Manchester versus Chelsea, you can press a short code and they give you the winners of the game. Or it could be cooking tips. It could be weather updates. It could be anything. So USSD is basically like a data response system that can be accessed and because it's just data it's just text it's not like media it's just data it's just text it can be accessed on basically any phone in africa no matter how for lack of a better word no matter how basic the phone is 
you can access ussd on it so you can just imagine how applicable that would be to the millions and millions of hundreds of millions of africans who can afford smartphones they can still get access to a lot of information through text through ussd and the second component that made this possible was mobile money so mobile money for people not in africa is basically banking micro banking that happens with your phone provider with your network provider you can load money onto your sim card and use your sim card more or less like a mini bank account let's in ghana we have a currency called cds so you can have like a hundred cds on your sim card anyone you meet who has a similar sim card and a similar network you can basically within one second send them money or if you want cash as well there are a lot of physical agents with boots like a kiosk or a booth like just spread across the country hundreds in every city where you could literally get like physical cash by moving to them transferring money from your sim card to their sim card and then getting cash back that's like a full agent's network for that so imagine just the power of ussd not having to exist on a smartphone whether you have a smartphone or a feature phone you can use it and imagine mobile money not having to be part of a traditional bank to be able to to transact those two forces come together to create multiple opportunities for the unbanked and informal sector in africa and that's what we capitalized on to build our app. From my understanding then, you, the fees based off of it is actually quite high, right? Especially when you actually start using it for sort of day-to-day -day payments and, uh, and also for cross-border. So a lot of African countries have their own mobile money systems. It's usually cut off from any other country. So mobile money usually exists within the country in which it's serving. And you can usually transfer money to anyone within that country, not necessarily cross-border. But in terms of fees, I mean, it's a trade-off because the alternative would be to deal with a very formal bank, which most people can't tolerate, especially people who don't have that level of education or exposure or even don't just feel not comfortable dealing with the bank. For those kind of people, having just money on a SIM card makes a whole lot of a difference for them. And if they have to pay like a 1% fee on transactions, I think it's a trade-off a lot of people are willing to make than to deal with a bank. Because before mobile money, they just didn't have these kind of opportunities. So I think mobile money, even though it can be seen as expensive because of the 1% fee, it has brought a great net positive to the African economy as far as giving financial inclusion to people who would have otherwise not been able to deal with the bank. So the fees are considered high by some people. So it's like a 1% fee with a cap, but it's still considered like by a lot of people. And I think that's really important to give context to in terms of what you built with BitSeeker, right? Because you basically added Bitcoin as basically an asset uh, into sort of someone's uh, USSD wallet. That's exactly was the whole idea. So I was kind of like thinking even on a broader scale, right? Not just even Bitcoin. Because like, wow, if this is possible, it was kind of like thinking even like on a broader crypto scale. If this is possible with Bitcoin, where we're able to build a system where people can just transfer Bitcoin, you know, between each other. If we could allow that with stable coins, what would that mean? If we could allow that with BNB, if we could allow that with, you know, stable coins built on the Binance chain, like what would that mean? And so I think that's vision we were trying to see. That was kind of like the long-term vision we we're trying to look at. 
I think it's important to talk about the progression of the project as well. So when we go into Binance Labs, so first of all, Binance Labs was just a very amazing experience for us getting that opportunity. I think it's important to state that like Binance Labs coming to Africa was a very strategic zero to one event in, you know, I think even in the history of crypto in Africa, that would be a very seminal moment because in the past few two years, people have moved from traditional financial sectors into crypto sectors, whether it's Wall Street, but also even in Africa, people have moved from traditional finance to blockchain, traditional tech to blockchain tech. So I was one of those people. But trying to get funded for such projects in Africa, number one, was like very difficult, almost impossible, because you can think about it. First of all, capital is scarce in Africa to begin with. And now imagine going to sit in front of an investor and telling him that, oh, there's this Bitcoin blockchain thing. Oh, wait, is it the same Bitcoin thing I had someone was hacked and it was scammed? Is that the same thing you're telling me about? You can just imagine the rejection emails piling up. So I think that was sort of like the atmosphere in the tech ecosystem, the crypto ecosystem here for a while until Binance Labs came and was like, hey, if you have a project that's really good and really promising, we would like to find you. I think that was a very seminal moment. So I think right now it's safe to say that if not for Binance Labs, there will just be no Bitsika as it is today. And there would also not be a lot of companies who were in the program and even companies who are outside the program. Because I think Binance being able to fund companies like Bitsika and other companies gave a lot of hope to other founders or future founders who were like, oh, wow, we could also build something really good and have support for what we are building. Binance showing that love and showing that foresight was sort of like did so much good for the tech ecosystem in Africa because it gave a lot of hope to future founders. A lot of people got into blockchain because they saw Binance sponsoring fellow African companies. And they, they felt like, oh, if I build something really good, I could get help, not necessarily from Binance, but I could get support to build this project I'm building to the highest level. When, when we got to Nigeria for the Binance Labs program, we were, let me use the word naive, a little bit naive, because we're like, okay, now we're in Binance Lab. Binance is giving us money. They're giving us one of the best, if not the best network in crypto. So what we're just going to do is expand this idea as aggressively as we can. We're just going to go as crazy as we can with what we already have. But we had a rude awakening in Nigeria, which was basically the fact that in Nigeria, they don't use mobile money. They use bank accounts because their banking system is far more optimized than other African countries. We live in Ghana. There's this tendency of assuming that even Africans do this. We assume that other African countries are just like the one you live in, in terms of like economic structure, facilities, just how things work. But we had a big rude awakening that in Nigeria, people just don't use mobile money because their banking system just works as well or as smoothly. So it was like, oh, we want to expand to the biggest market in Africa, which is Nigeria. But we can't build that because we just don't have that mobile money service here. Because like I said, and like you pointed out as well, projects was only possible because we had USSD and we had mobile money as well. But here we were in Nigeria wanting to expand, but you know, USSD was like 10 times more expensive in Nigeria. They just didn't use mobile money like that. So it was just crashed as far as like our ambitions of coming to Nigeria was just tilted. 
But I think the greater picture of being part of the Binance Labs program was that it was an opportunity to rethink our idea from the ground up. Like, okay, you guys had a cool open source project on GitHub, but like you are now in Binance Lab where you have other opportunities people will dream about. So it's like, how are you going to move forward? How are you going to build this? What you have now as a feature phone project, is that like the best version of what you could be building? Because these few weeks in Binance Lab is like, it's going to be very pivotal. So you better like, you make good use of it. You better like come up with a very good idea that can be built and, and results seen. We're lucky enough to have a video from CZ on day one, who sort of like, emphasize product and adoption and he was like hey you guys should focus on perfecting your product the idea of your product as much as possible focus on getting adoption as much as possible and these things got us thinking i think another big highlight of the experience in nigeria was our director yele badimosi who is like one of the smartest people we've ever met in the tech scene but also generally he very much emphasized uh, a sort of like first principles thinking of what we're building. Because we were like, oh, we have this cool USSD project. It's so awesome. We want to expand it. And I was like, no, you guys need to take 10 steps backwards and understand why did people like this? Why did they use it? What did this thing catch on? It didn't catch on because of its blockchain or its USSD or whatever. Like You have to go back to the first principles of why people wanted to use this in the first place like think back to like step one ground zero like why does this thing even matter like what are you guys even building like why are you here in the first place it was like okay we need to build a better version of our app that would have more or less a practical use case on a larger scale that a lot of people can use we need to build something that would have utility now and now we need to build something that where people would benefit from crypto without even having to touch crypto. So off the top of our head, we're like, okay, one big industry that we could help with this would be the charity industry. Billions and billions of dollars are sent to Africa annually, but a lot of it gets lost through bureaucracy, corruption, and just money passing through like a hundred hands before getting to the final uh, beneficiaries. And this is just so inefficient. So we're like, what if we could build a way where people could send money to Africa using crypto beneficiaries receive the money in their local currencies and so we spent okay. another five six weeks building the product if that model is successful I mean it could be applicable to not just charity right I mean it could tap into global remittance market that's awesome so going from there I mean that takes us to basically I think the charity program that we ran second quarter and then I think after that, sort of, it sounded like you moved on to the next part of the journey for, for BitSeeker. When we released the charity app, immediately we released it. And this was kind of like frustrating to us. It was like we worked for six weeks for nothing. But immediately we released the app. We just had normal everyday people, not charities, but normal everyday people like, hey, I heard you have this system where people can just send money and receive it in a local currency. Can I use it to pay my workers? You know, I'm in America, I have workers in Nigeria. Can I pay them through the system? We're like, no, it's for charities. Do you guys have an app? No, it's for charities. So we just have a website. We just, we just have a web app. Okay. Um, oh, can I send money 
to my sister in this country in tanzania uh well you technically could but no sorry it's for charities uh it's optimized for charities it's it's even just a web app it's not even an app yet like so like we just kept hearing this every single day so I, people just wanted to use it for their normal everyday stuff so i i was uh so chance chance opportunity we met uh the the, the ceo of github uh nat nat friedman uh and um another lady who works at github as well uh omoju like very smart people got a chance to meet them in lagos and i told them about what we had that was we had this charity web app that helps you this is the most efficient way to send charity money like what you know they were like why are you using it for charity so not not Nat, said uh nat friedman said something that really made a lot of sense to me which i'll never forget he was like actually you're chasing supply instead of demand that supply cannot be hacked demand can so you need to start chasing the demand and that was like wow that 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 just clicked a button in my head we've been chasing supply for too long why don't we start chasing demand so i was like okay what we're gonna do now is we're gonna build mobile apps for iphone and android and what's gonna what we're gonna do is that we're gonna enable people to just send money to any country they want to so we're gonna do a lot of crypto heavy lifting in the background where it's like all right if you're in ghana you want to send money to nigeria give me your ghana money your fiat ghana money i'm gonna buy crypto bitcoin with it i'm gonna transfer that bitcoin to in nigeria change that bitcoin to nigerian money and give that nigerian money to your sister but it's going to happen in one second and you're not going to even realize that that's what we did you understand because go back to the initial philosophy of bitsika which is that we wanted to build crypto systems where people didn't even know they were using crypto but they were still benefiting from it and i think that's what i personally think that's what mass adoption is going to look like people think mass adoption is going to look like buying coffee with uh bitcoin using bitcoin to buy coffee i don't think that's what mass adoption is going to look like i don't think we're ever going to reach a point where we buy bitcoin with coffee at least i don't even want to live in that world where we buy bitcoin with coffee <laughs> bitcoin is too valuable to buy coffee with. so we just doubled down on that and again spent six seven weeks building mobile apps for android iphone and maintain the same name bitseeker so bitseeker seamlessly sending money into and within african countries so that's basically what we have now so our app right now is kind of very simple you open the app uh let's say you're in ghana you load ghana money on the app so that's deposits then you can instantly withdraw to any nigerian bank account so that's literally moving money from ghana to nigeria you can do it vice versa from nigeria to ghana and more countries are being added and it's already global with bitcoin as well and you can do that instantly within literally 15 seconds what happens in the background as i explain I'll, I'll 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 probably go over it again is let's say someone gives you a hundred dollars of ghana money like they want to send it to their sister so they upload hundred dollars of ghana money into the app what we do basically in the background is so we buy bitcoin with a hundred dollars of ghana money send that bitcoin to nigeria sell the the Bitcoin for $100 of Nigerian money and give the Nigerian money to the person's sister. That's 
step by step what happens in the background or that's the good ex like simple explanation of what happens in the background but the people who use the app never even know that anything with crypto ever happened they are just like oh my god your app just how did you like your app is so fast like how did you it's crypto but they just they don't see it they don't feel it it's seamless it's like water so it's like bitcoin has improved their lives this way but they don't even know and i think that's what mass adoption is gonna look like i met a banker in ghana who used my app and was so shocked because he was a banker he literally works at a bank but he has to drive to like a black market place once a week to transfer money from ghana to nigeria to pay for his cable tv so being able to sit on his couch to use my app to send money to nigeria within five seconds that was like crazy to him and it was made possible because of crypto in the background so we launched that version of the app in um in september so that's been about three months late september so that's like about three months now and we've well, we've done mm -hmm. about uh, a million dollars in traction mm -hmm. yeah which i i'm expecting to grow more like aesthetically next year because we've established that fan base now we've established like communities on telegram on whatsapp we have like a twitter fan base like just we just have like an army of people who love the app and appreciate it for what it is now so the next step is to scale which we're going to focus on next year making it reach as many people as possible because like I, I think what i've noticed is that anyone who use, uses the app for a practical reason sending money to their wife in another country or paying for school fees for their kids who are in another country or people who use the app for those reasons they always use it more than once every single one of them so that that basically shows me that oh my god like this this like the, the, this this thing has cracked sort of like a, a space in the market and we just need to find the other people who want to use the app but just haven't heard about it so that's what we are going to focus on for 2020 so that's that i think that's a little history of bitsika to where we are now yeah and tell us about tell us about uh your interaction with jack dorsey on this trip to to ghana then how did you how did you come up, come across that meeting and then it seemed like because because one of the things that's been grabbed headline is that there's been something in the news that that uh, Jack Dorsey would like to spend you know a year or two years in Africa sort of helping the unbanked is he going to get involved in your business when Jack announced that I was coming I took a different approach and basically told my friends that hey Jack said he's coming to Africa would you mind showing him our app just showing it to him to see what he thinks so um, I, I think two people um showed showed him that one from cash up one from square crypto they showed him that oh there's this kid in ghana uh building something on on bit uh on bitcoin it's like the cash up for for africa but it's 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 basically powered by bitcoin so jack saw it like when they showed it to him he, he immediately started following me and he basically told them that okay yeah when i come to ghana i'm gonna see him so in, uh, he went to Nigeria first, met thousands of people, mostly in groups. But when he came to Ghana, I was I was the only person he met in Ghana. Basically, I was like the only person he met in Ghana. We just sit down, sat down over dinner, just drinks and beer, and he was just like talking like very straight up, straightforward. That hey, um, how is how do people buy Bitcoin in Ghana? How do people, you know, do I buy Bitcoin in the app with a laptop with a like he was just very like very like 
first basis questions kind of there was no like arrogance there was no pompousness there was no like need to sort of like prove that he like oh i'm you know i've been in crypto I, like i ran a billion dollar crypto company like he didn't express anything like that it was just and i, I really respected that because it was just genuinely curious to learn and we were gladly able to share like a lot of info with him about what we're building after so he even ended up uh using our app as well um using the bitsika app as well uh and he he really liked it so he sent me about uh about a hundred dollars which i still have <laughs> so that's fine <laughs> he he liked what we're doing but he encouraged us to go into a more open source direction are you guys still in touch yeah we keep in touch once in a while he's a busy person but we do keep in touch so for his birthday he he, he even asked me to um uh, I, I wanted to return the the hundred dollars as a gift and he insisted that i i uh, i take some bitcoin people to dinner with a hundred dollars which <laughs> that's awesome as we're wrapping up here what are some of his advice for bitseeker and then what do you want to take this thing as we wrap up here it has the potential to um just erase the borders of african countries because uh, like people like to compare africa with india all the time because india constant like country of a billion people africa also has a billion people but each of like each of the billion people is separated into like 50 something 56 pockets divided by very strong borders and languages and financial systems i think crypto you can see how like india is progressing in technology startups valuation just creating value in different different sectors of the economy the reason why africa cannot rise as quickly is because of all the divisions by language by borders by economies by currencies so i think having something like bitsika that abstracts the borders using crypto that can be a very good way to put africa's economy on on uh on par with india and even on, on, on a far larger scale uh so that that's sort of like the long-term vision i see here and um I, I i i'll be remiss if i didn't also mention the stable coin we are building we are building a stable coin for the nigerian currency on the binance chain talking to the binance decks right now hopefully get listed on that um we are stable coin that would just remove all the inefficiencies associated with moving nigerian money around currently because there's a, a billion dollars of crypto in in Nigeria that was even last year this year it's even a few times more than that and uh, there's a corresponding amount of fiat currency for every crypto you have in the system but there's just so much inefficiency moving that fiat around as far as restrictions for the banks as far as how much you can send as far as people having to manage multiple bank accounts just to trade as far as banks going down bank systems going down having a stable coin like a stablecoin running on a Binance chain will basically eradicate all these inefficiencies and then grow the crypto GDP by far. So we are building that on the Binance chain uh, to increase productivity in the economy. And that's awesome. I saw the news. I saw the news last month on that, and then I'm really looking forward to seeing it, and then looking forward to having that that stablecoin coming out and uh, you know get it listed. We are very much in touch with the people at Binance. I must just say, like Binance is a very very awesome investor as far as always having our backs as far as always being in touch as far as always making it possible for us to succeed so i think 2020 is just going to be a crazy year 
of growth, crazy year of African stable coins, crazy year of, of, of what we can achieve in the crypto economy. 2020 is, it's, it's going to be the, the year crypto becomes mainstream. 2020 is going to be crazy. I couldn't agree even more. Thank you. With that, I want to thank Atsu from Bitsika for this uh, for spending time with us on the on the Binance podcast. Thank you for your time, and we look. I look forward to catching up with you uh, with you again uh, very soon. Uh, Rini, thank you very much for organizing the call. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview as as much I did. If you like this show, please share this episode on Twitter, Facebook, Telegram, WeChat, or any other social media platforms. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Binance podcast and see you next time.